chapter nineteen of lincoln the lawyer this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org lincoln the lawyer by frederick trevor hill chapter nineteen the jury lawyer it is conceded by all his contemporaries that lincoln was the best all-round jury lawyer of his day in illinois undoubtedly his knowledge of human nature played an important part in his success he possessed another quality however which is almost if not quite as essential in jury work and that is clearness and simplicity of statement it will be remembered that in his sangamon river argument his first boyish attempt at pleading a case he had displayed unusual ability in presenting his facts and with age and experience he developed a perfect genius for statement his logical mind marshalled facts in such orderly sequence and he interpreted them in such simple language that a child could follow him through the most complicated cause and his mere recital of the issues had the force of argument many people suppose that there is only one way of telling the truth and that given honesty no art is required to make a frank and fair statement of matters in dispute but this is a popular delusion a truth which is badly put says mr wells in his mankind in the making is not a truth but an infertile hybrid lie and every lawyer of experience knows that not one man in a thousand can make facts speak for themselves certainly the average practitioner does not master his material he is controlled by it and presents his cause in such a manner as to necessitate contradiction invite confusion or challenge belief he has neither the confidence nor the skill to state the truth the whole truth and nothing but the truth and his omissions and perversions naturally reflect on his honesty or sincerity lincoln on the contrary relied on truth knew how to tell it and with perfect sincerity often deceived the deceitful a stranger going into a court when he was trying a case says mr arnold one of his constant associates would after a few minutes find himself instinctively on lincoln's side and wishing him success this lucidity of expression persuasive clarity and convincing simplicity is of course the distinctive mark of lincoln's literary style in so far as his writing can be said to have a style and of this habit nurtured and matured in the court-room came some of the ablest state papers ever drawn by an american and some of the acknowledged masterpieces of english prose lincoln not only spoke a language which jurors could understand but he also took them into his confidence and made them feel as one of his contemporaries says that he and they were trying the case together he was likewise continually the friend of the court who thought it would be only fair 
to let in this or only write that that should be conceded and who reckoned he must be wrong when the court overruled him but who nevertheless took a quiet and tactful exception whenever the occasion required it now about the time he had practised through three-quarters of the case in this way observes leonard sweat his adversary would wake up to find himself beaten he was as wise as a serpent in the trial of a case and what he so blandly gave away was only what he couldn't get and keep of course these comments were merely intended to emphasize the fact that lincoln did not try both sides of his cases as some of his eulogists would have us believe but unfortunately they have been distorted into an implication that he indulged in tricks of the trade and that his apparent fairness was nothing better than a device by which he lured the unwary to destruction mr e m prince who is now living in bloomington illinois and who heard lincoln try over a hundred cases of all sorts is a competent authority on any question of this kind and his testimony is direct and convincing the truth is mr prince remarked while talking with the writer that mr lincoln had a genius for seeing the real point in a case at once and aiming steadily at it from the beginning of a trial to the end the issue in most cases lies in very narrow compass and the really great lawyer disregards everything not directly tending to that issue the mediocre advocate is apt to miss the crucial point in his case and is easily diverted with minor matters and when his eyes are opened he is usually angry and always surprised mr lincoln instinctively saw the kernel of every case at the outset never lost sight of it and never let it escape the jury that was the only trick i ever saw him play but the best possible proof that mr lincoln was an unusually fair practitioner and generous opponent is the fact that he made no enemies in the ranks of his profession during all his active and varied career forbearance is often mistaken for timidity and tact for weakness and it not infrequently happened that lincoln's professional opponents misinterpreted his attitude toward them but they were always speedily disillusioned mr sweat remarked that any one who took lincoln for a simple-minded man in the court-room would very soon wake up on his back in a ditch and although he seldom resorted to tongue-lashing and rarely displayed anger there is abundant evidence that no one ever attacked him with impunity judge weldon told the writer that on one occasion a lawyer challenged a juror because of his personal acquaintance with mr lincoln who appeared for the other side such an objection was regarded as more or less a reflection upon the honor of an attorney in those days and judge davis who was presiding at the time promptly overruled the challenge but when lincoln rose to examine the jury he gravely followed his adversary's lead and began to ask the talesmen whether they were acquainted with his opponent after two or three had answered in the affirmative however his honor interfered now mr lincoln he observed severely you are wasting time the mere fact that a juror knows your opponent does not disqualify him no your honor responded lincoln dryly but i am afraid some of the gentlemen may not know him which would place me at a disadvantage 
a successful jury lawyer must needs be something of an actor at times and during his apprentice years lincoln displayed no little histrionic ability in his passionate appeals to the juries indeed his notes in the wright case show that he occasionally reverted to his principles even after he had reached the age of discretion this case was brought on behalf of the widow of a revolutionary war soldier whose pension had been cut in two by a rapacious agent who appropriated half of the sum collected for his alleged services the facts aroused lincoln's indignation and his memorandum for summing up to the jury ran as follows no contract not professional services unreasonable charge money retained by defendant not given by plaintiff revolutionary war describe valley forge privations ice soldiers bleeding feet plaintiff's husband soldier leaving home for army skin defendant close mr herndon who quotes this memorandum testifies that the soldiers bleeding feet and other pathetic properties were handled very effectively and that the defendant was skinned to the entire satisfaction of the jury it was only occasionally however that lincoln indulged in fervid oratory and his advice to herndon shows his belief in simplicity and reserve don't shoot too high herndon reports him as saying aim lower and the common people will understand you they are the ones you want to reach at least they are the ones you ought to reach the educated and refined people will understand you anyway if you aim too high your ideas will go over the heads of the masses and only hit those who need no hitting to interest the jurors and make them understand is of course the chief endeavor of every jury advocate and lincoln constantly employed his great gifts as a story-teller to illustrate simplify and reinforce his arguments which is another proof that he did not waste this valuable ammunition on tavern loiterers stories are more interesting than logic and far more effective with the average audience and lincoln's juries usually heard something from him in the way of an apt comparison or illustration which impressed his point upon their minds on one occasion when he was defending a case of assault and battery it was proved that the plaintiff had been the aggressor but the opposing counsel argued that the defendant might have protected himself without inflicting injuries on his assailant that reminds me of the man who was attacked by a farmer's dog which he killed with a pitchfork commented lincoln what made you kill my dog demanded the farmer what made him try to bite me retorted the offender but why didn't you go at him with the other end of your pitchfork persisted the farmer well why didn't he come at me with his other end was the retort lincoln not only made effective use of stories with the jury but frequently employed them in arguing to the court and he once completely refuted a contention that custom makes law with an anecdote drawn from his own experience old squire bagley from menard he began once came into my office and said lincoln i want your advice as a lawyer has a man what's been elected a justice of the peace a right to issue a marriage license i told him he had not lincoln i thought you was a lawyer he retorted bob thomas and me had a bet on this thing and we agreed to let you decide it but if that is your opinion i don't want it for i know a thunderin sight better 
i've been squire now eight years and i've done it all the time even the attorney whose argument for custom was thus answered must have smiled at this good-natured disposal of his claims and lincoln's humour generally freed his criticisms of all offence he can compress the most words into the smallest ideas of any man i ever met was perhaps the severest retort he ever uttered but history has considerably sheltered the identity of the victim wit and ridicule were lincoln's weapons of offence and defence and he probably laughed more jury cases out of court than any other man who practised at the bar i once heard mr lincoln defend a man in bloomington against a charge of passing counterfeit money vice-president stevenson told the writer there was a pretty clear case against the accused but when the chief witness for the people took the stand he stated that his name was j parker green and lincoln reverted to this the moment he rose to cross-examine why j parker green what did the j stand for john well why didn't the witness call himself john p green that was his name wasn't it well what was the reason he did not wish to be known by his right name did j parker green have anything to conceal and if not why did j parker green part his name in that way and so on of course the whole examination was farcical mr stevenson continued but there was something irresistibly funny in the varying tones and inflections of mr lincoln's voice as he rang the changes upon the man's name and at the recess the very boys in the street took it up as a slogan and shouted j parker green all over the town moreover there was something in lincoln's way of intoning his questions which made me suspicious of the witness and to this day i have never been able to rid my mind of the absurd impression that there was something not quite right about j parker green it was all nonsense of course but the jury must have been affected as i was for green was discredited and the defendant went free End of chapter nineteen